Good afternoon and welcome to the Young News Podcast with your host, John Phillips, alongside Sean Clappas via WhatsApp on this Monday, August 9th, 2021, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. I'm in sunny Florida, Sean is in sunny Spain, and everyone's happy that it's summertime, but obviously people are obviously looking at what's to come over the next couple of months. A lot of people are pessimistic in terms of us going backwards, us going back into lockdowns and whatnot. And Sean, I'm just going to say this. I think people have to ask themselves, are you, are you ready to take a risk? And are you ready to take a risk in life in which the chances of something bad happening are very, very low? And one thing that's frustrated me is that I've looked at how COVID has hit the culture. And I know you're going to touch bases with this about the facts and how many people are actually dying from COVID right now and, and how it's not it seems not to be registering with people because they seem to still think it's much greater threat than it really is. And I think we have to take a step and ask ourselves something that has a less than 0.05 chance of killing us. Do we want to radically transform our society into something that's very difficult to live within because there's something out there with a 0.05% chance of killing us? And my problem is that if we're going to go based on numbers, COVID is not even in the top 10 of things that are going to kill you and I. Not saying a virus out there can't kill you and I, but what I'm trying to say is that when we compare it to other things that can kill you and I, we don't see it in the top 10, Sean. You see what I mean? But we don't see campaigns that are saying to us, you have to stop eating certain foods, you have to stop visiting certain places. You have to stop driving cars and certain highways. All of the entire resources are flooded into COVID-19, which is why I don't think all of these work from home, be mobile, be isolated away from society. I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that these things start popping up in, in unison with COVID-19. It's just too much of a coincidence for me to see. And so when we look at risk, Sean, I think people have to just be be okay with taking a risk. Be okay with yeah. a 0.05, less than 0.05 chance of, of dying. And if you're not okay with that, well, I don't know what else we have to do to transform society in order to fit your needs. Because I don't think it's possible. And quite frankly, it's not going to be positive and it's not going to lead us in the right direction. So with all that said, Sean, I want to give you the golden microphone. I want to give you the invisible microphone. And, um, you know, why aren't people taking the risk? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, this is interesting because, you know, big numbers are very abstract for people to understand. So when you say to somebody, like, for example, in Spain, the rolling seven-day average of COVID deaths, and this is this is – you can just Google this right now. This is the information of the establishment, right? So this is using, I'm using their numbers, their information. I'm not even, I'm not even going to say, well, how many of those deaths were from COVID and how many were from heart attacks or how many were from, you know, uh, uh, cancer and they had a positive PCR test. Right? I'm not even going to say that. I'm just going to assume, let's say all of these were COVID deaths and the people died of COVID instead of with COVID, Right. I'm going to give them every bit of leeway. The seven-day rolling average is 40 people a day, okay? That is the seven-day rolling average currently. And we're even at a spike. A few weeks ago, it was 10, less than 10. And 
So if you were to just say to someone, walk up to someone and go, do you know 40 people a day are dying of COVID? Uh, like a lot of people would probably be like, oh my God, oh no. Like, or, or you could say, you know, uh, COVID deaths are up by 300%. And someone goes, oh no, I need to mask up. And it's like, okay, well, the, the truth is that it went from 10 to 30. You know, that's three times, that's, that's, that's 300%. That's still... In a nation of 47 million people, John, I live in a country of 47 million people and minus tourists and immigrants, you know, like probably more like 50, million, 60 million when it's like tourist season. So and get people. So that is every day less than one person in a million dies of COVID in the country. So it falls way, way, way down the list. And yet people are way masking up. List. People are ma- ma- masking up. People are vaccinating up. So that's that's so, my. So so this is this is a failure of. I mean, and it just goes to show you that it's not about health. It's about control. Because if if the state was concerned about health, then they would be addressing things like cancer and diabetes and heart disease and saying, oh, here are the preventative prevent, preventative measures that you can take. And I mean, listen, I don't want to live in any state. I don't want to live in any state, any, especially a state that tells me how I'm supposed to live and survive. But you would think that if they cared about health, that they would be like, oh, hey, look, 94% of COVID dead had comorbidities like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, obesity. Here are some ways that you can ameliorate that because most of the people, 94% dying of COVID had those things. So let's focus on the treatment instead of trying to prevent the virus, you know, 12 year old kids from getting it, which every single bit of data shows us that the seasonal flu is more dangerous for kids. And yet, they're saying, nope, kids have to mask up. Kids have to mask up. We have to give kids the vaccine. So it is not about health, John. It is about control. And, and, and they don't even hide it anymore. Well, I don't know. I think they, they're, not, they're not hiding in terms of how fast they're pushing these, these policies. They are oh, they, hiding. They, 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 they don't care. They're not well, I think they're hiding their intentions. I'm kind of I'm, I'm torn in between two. So one is anytime you have people that are in a position of power, in a society in which people are not responsible. People want to take their responsibility off their shoulders and put it on someone else's, okay? So this is gonna put massive pressure on the hierarchy, on the people that are leaders to make decisions, decisions that will obviously affect individual freedoms. And the reason that they're going to make decisions that are going to affect individual freedoms is because they have pressure to do so. And in doing so, they panic and they panic. And once they panic and they make bad decisions, they make misinformed decisions, they rush, they jump to conclusions, they show a lack of courage. You start to have this domino effect and things start falling into each other and they don't make sense. And I think right. there's, there's, there's two situations here. There was a massive lack of responsibility at the individual scale, which all of us should take some responsibility for, in which somehow, some way allowed, right, larger institutions to grab power from us and to grab choices from us. Or... Yeah. Or this was just an incredibly well-orchestrated strategy from the very, very top. Then no matter how powerful you are as an individual, you couldn't stop it. You see what I'm saying here? And I mean, maybe it's a mix of both. But I will say this, that when you look at people who... I will say this. People today could end this this tomorrow. The people today could end this tomorrow. 
if you had people like, and I'm not saying we got everything right and that we're getting everything right, but if you just simply had people that just said, no, I'm not going to get a test. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to get the vaccine. No, I'm not going to be a lab yeah. rat for these politicians and for these doctors, these so-called doctors. Yeah. This would all yeah. end. It would end. But there's so much money that is at stake here. And there yeah. is so much temptation for large corporations and global governments to use this kind of mRNA technology slash, you know, jab someone with the perfect pill and everything will be wonderful because there's such a demand for it. You know, like I can, when I, when I, when I have conversations with people, I can hear it in their voice that they truly are just dying to have science save them. That Mm -hmm. they are convinced the only way out of this is through science. Now, I'm sorry, I radically disagree with that situation, not because I don't think science can be helpful, but that science right now is not in the hands of people who want the best for society. Like, Sean, science is great. And people always want to say, well, listen to the science. I'm like, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. And, and, and technology is great. But if you have great technology in the hands of Nazis, you're not going to have wonderful things happening in your society. Right, right. And, and yeah, that's what I, I I'm trying to make the point. I think it's important that people understand when they say, just trust the science, it's like, well, listen, um, anytime someone tells you you have to trust trust me, that's usually an indicator for me to go, okay, uh, um, I don't. I'm going to go figure it out for myself. I'm good. If they, if they want to say, hey, take a look at these studies, take a look at this is the evidence that I found, uh, make up your own mind, then I'll go, okay, yeah. And especially when they say trust the science, because it's like, listen, science is not supposed to be trusted. It's literally... Science does not determine what is true. Science just determines what is false and what is most more likely to be true, right? right. We, science is never done. It's not one. It's not like, oh, that's it. That's the science. We have the answer. <laughs> that's the No, no, no. We, we, we continue adding to the pool of knowledge with regards to science. Right. So saying that, oh, yes, well, I mean, it's well established and, and the consensus is blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, most of the greatest scientific discoveries were we're based around one kind of wily, crazy, crazy person who was usually not even a scientist. Right. They were an engineer or they're a mathematician or something. And they went against the dogma. They right. went against the grain. And 90% of scientists were like, ah, oh, this person's crazy. Right. You know, uh, Albert Einstein's theory on relativity, people, he was laughed at. He yeah. was laughed at for years until he proved it. And it was like, oh. Okay, I guess that's I guess that's what it is. Right, it's not so, settled. Yeah. No, saying, oh yeah, tr- you got to trust the science, especially the you know state-sponsored scientists. It's like that 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 should be a huge red flag for everybody. Well, the left so, also sorry, has a monopoly on that. They, they, the left likes to act like they're the ones of the sciences, you know. And oh. I think this, Sean, this goes back to when we were kids. I, I still think the stereotype was that not only was the left cool, but the left was the intellectual side of. Of American life, uh-huh. and so uh-huh. they had the cool yeah. artist side of life, but they also had the intellectual uh-huh. side. They had the academy, and they had the arts. Okay, so it was like this very, you know, very, you know, persuasive and actually very effective. And many times, I could argue that they were very successful and did good things for society with a strong academy mm-hmm. and with strong arts. But when they had such a grip on this. Power when they had such a grip on the monopoly of the word science, they just they they got to the point that if anyone came around to them and decided to question some of the things that came about, 
they were either laughed at or they were silenced. And this this happened with obviously like I'll give you an example, Sean, um, with climate change, quote unquote climate change, mm. right? So, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but I'll bring it into COVID. So, one of the things that people thought for a long time was that you know the reason why there's all the CO2 in the air is because of these warm temperatures, right? And I think I've got this right, right? CO2, yeah, there's massive buildup of CO2, which is warming the earth, okay? Mm. Well, like some German scientists went down to Antarctica, and this was about seven years ago, and they actually came back with the reverse. They said, wait a second, guys, you keep claiming that it's warm weather causing a uh, CO2 is causing a rise in the, the climate change, you know, the, the temperature. What happens, we actually found a study that said, no, it's the reverse. It was actually the warm weather that was creating a large amount of CO2. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And, and it was yeah. like, wait a second, why are we so set to determine that warming temperatures are causing a rise in, you know, CO2 is causing the, the earth to heat up? What happens if the right. earth is heating up and as a result of the earth heating up, there's massive amounts of CO2 in the air? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with what I just said is if you just said that to an academic, a, a left-wing academic, they would just look at you they, like with five heads. Yeah. It'd be like, have yeah. you been able to identify the COVID-19 virus yet? And they would look at you with five heads. Yeah. Have you been able to tell me what yeah. the vaccine, what, what is the ultimate uh, effectiveness of this vaccine against COVID-19? Show me the numbers, show me the science. They'd look at you with five heads. Because for the longest well, also, time, Sean. You, it, even if you just say to them, you ask them, hey. Has COVID-19 even been isolated in a lab? Correct. The answer is no. But but they'll be like, well, what, 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 what kind of question is that? You know, COVID-19 exists, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I mean, it hasn't been established right. in, or, or isolated in the laboratory. So not really. Technically, no. We don't know what it is. Right. Right. But they want to because it's it's political. And this is the thing. Well, they, can I just you know, say real quick? One of the things I'll probably say is, what, what are you trying to say? That this thing doesn't exist? Yeah, just a conspiracy theory. It's like, no, actually, I just asked you a question and wanted you to answer the question. I, you know what I mean? Like it's you asked them the question, like has it been has it been in a laboratory isolated from you know and to be identified correctly? And instead of answering the question saying no, right, they automatically will go to well, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say this does no. Actually, I just asked you the question. You know, like why is it so hard to find evidence that shows that this thing's been isolated, like you said, in a lab? We haven't been able to do it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I interrupted. No, no. So. You know, this this brings me to a bigger point. I was talking with Pal about this today, and we it's it's at this place where in our in our society we kind of hold intellectualism and and uh, and and brilliance, intelligence, to be at this very very high point. Uh, you know, this you know incredible virtue, and I don't see it like that anymore. I don't see intelligence as a virtue or a vice. It can be very, can very. It's very useful. It's a tool, right? But it's not a virtue, and it's not a vice. And I, I, I remember I saw Jordan Peterson talking about this, talking about how Nietzsche had a lot of these same, uh, these same criticisms of intellectuals about how people almost kind of fetishize the idea of intellectuals. And there's a scene, uh, there's a, there's a there's a scene from uh, Thus Spoke Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which I never I never actually I never read, but I went and looked up this part. Um, and Zarathustra comes down off of a mountain and he sees a village of people and they're all surrounding uh, something. And Zarathustra looks in and sees it's a tiny little man, like the size of a bean, with a giant ear that can hear everything. And the people are kind of like, whoa, wow. And what Nietzsche was trying to say in that scene was that 
human beings are all they all they were looking at was this giant ear because human beings are fascinated by ultra like ultra specialty you know like lebron james wow he's the greatest basketball player of all time blah 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 blah, blah. but then they also take that to mean well i better listen to his opinions on things and then you listen to his political opinions and you go wow this guy doesn't know what he's talking about right mm-hmm. but human being gets human beings get tricked by that so all the all the all the townspeople are looking around looking at this little tiny man but they're not actually looking at the little tiny man they're looking at his ear and Nietzsche kind of, and Jordan Peterson kind of extrapolates and goes the little man is because no no other parts of this person's like personality or psyche have been developed aside from this huge proclivity of with hearing you know is is the image that Nietzsche points out right. so this happens this happens people with with high creativity or high intelligence in some field right, right. they develop this part of their of their psyche right and people fawn all over them john and they go wow this guy's really smart he can you know speak 10 languages or he can or she can you know uh uh deep uh figure out this gene sequence okay great they have a speciality that does not mean that they have developed any bits of wisdom in their own life right do, do you, you understand what i'm saying uh, and, like and, and to add not, on and, to that and, and nietzsche and nietzsche <clears throat> knew what he was talking about when he was when he was talking about being a, like essentially a well-rounded individual a complete man right. he was like yeah don't fall for this stuff right. like don't treat intellectuals like heroes because they're not you probably actually know more than they do regarding many other things in life you know that just because you're super specialized in something that's not necessarily a virtue it might be a vice so but but we do this we have this almost and i think it it goes it goes along with kind of the decline of religion as sort of religion and listen and i'm not religious but i'm like this is kind of what i see is that people have we have these figures like like muhammad or jesus or you know or or buddha or whatever and it's like they're these larger than life figures that represent all of the important good things that people are supposed to be searching for and when a society stops valuing those things human beings still have the need for those for those heroes for those hero archetypes as right. george peterson would say and they start looking around at humans who are fallible who are you know they're they're and they're they and they make bad bad decisions and they'll go people will go along and follow these fallible humans who make bad decisions right but anyway i'll let you i'll let you know it's, that it's a good point about intellectuals because when you think of this country most people think that mm-hmm. when you think of the intellectual elites you think of a couple of things you think of new york you think mm-hmm. of new, you think of new england you think of california mm-hmm. and all the traditions mm-hmm. of their academies and their universities you think of London, you think of Paris, you think of Zurich. These are all kind of intellectual giant cities, okay? And they all have something kind of in common over the past year and a half. And that is the fact that when chaos hit, they decided to lock everything down. They panicked. They're very prideful. They don't have science to back up that their strategies worked well. And they look very foolish in many of the decisions that they made, but more importantly, yeah, yeah. more importantly, they look incredibly corrupt. When yeah, you yeah. see the hypocrisy, such as Gavin Newsom eating at the French Laundry, such right. as President Obama throwing a 60th birthday party with yeah. no masks, <laughs> and no what, one's got masks on. Yeah, uh, London. Yeah. I don't know the man's name. He was in charge of the health secretary. He was caught with an affair. 
breaking rule, right. breaking the rules. Right. I remember People, way at the beginning, back, Sean, when, back when he was saying there'll be two million dead. Yeah, back way back then. I yeah. People aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They see that. The average guy yep. sees that, and the average guy can mm-hmm. listen to common sense. I also think it's interesting that, like, when someone tries to use common sense, the way an intellectual will try to get them out of common sense is coming up with this very strange, complicated theory that yeah, yeah. That, that a person actually had a really good common sense but then listens to this lecture and then says, oh, I, I'm scratching my head a little bit. Uh, I don't really understand what this guy said, but he has all these degrees and he's really smart and he's saying that I actually was wrong. So maybe he yeah. was right. So maybe I should stop thinking the way I think. Let me, you know, and that's a tactic, John. Let me jump in right there. You know, uh, if you read Ayn Rand, people, you know, Ayn Rand was asked, like, who, who's the most who's the most evil person in history? And she said Immanuel Kant. And Immanuel Kant was a philosopher. And he was, he was actually an important Enlightenment philosopher. But she was, I mean, Immanuel Kant brought apart this brought forward a philosophy where you could kind of decouple rationality from the real world and and be, you know it's 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 kind of long story short it's the basis of every like hippie going well how do we know it's you know how do we really know it's true man you know like how do we just because the sky is blue how does that mean that doesn't mean the sky is really blue it just means you think the sky is blue and it's basically like Okay, okay, okay. This is fun to think about for a little while, but you can't base any knowledge off of it. You and I can see the sky is blue. It's objectively verifiable. verifiable. Right. It doesn't matter if we're living in the matrix and it's not really there. It doesn't matter if we're a brain in the jar and solipsism and the, the sky is not really there. If you and I can objectively verify it, then that's what matters to you and me right. in the real world. The, the, the imaginary quantum world or whatever matrix world that we don't see is not any... It might be real, but it doesn't make this existence that we are experiencing right now, it doesn't make this any less real. So Ayn Rand was pushing back on that because specifically she was an objectivist. That was her ideology. And John, when people want to be sneaky and they want to pull one over on you, they'll do all of this word salad stuff and go, well, you, I mean, we can't, you can't really know what's true. And therefore you have to and then you know and the the punchline of the joke is that means you have to relinquish your your rights and your power to me an elite i'm an elite with a phd and you should let me run your life because i know what's best for you right that's that's the the card they're trying to pull john right that's what progressivism is is and and i'm not and progressivism could be on the left or could be on the right the conservatives have been progressive the the democrats have been progressive it's people saying and this is the ideology of obama this is why he has a 60th birthday party no one's masked up and he has a COVID coordinator. This is why that, I can't remember the name of that Democratic uh, Congresswoman said, we need to abolish the police, but I pay $70,000 for private security, whatever, you know. These people, they think they're better than you and me. And they openly say it. They think they're better than you and me and that they, well, I have earned not to wear a mask, but right. you, and, and, and I can see all my friends and we can have a giant dance party, <laughs> 
but you, you can't go hug your dying grandparents. No, well, they're also too prideful to admit the fact that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I found yeah. out was all the people that were all this pro math stuff, they all came from very intel like intellectual cities, like New York City, like Boston. Very smart people, right? Doing very stupid things. But this is, but, but this is my point, John. Go for it. Smart is not a virtue now. It's, right. It literally is just being able to regurgitate information quickly. Right. It, it really is wisdom that counts and being able to internalize wisdom. Sorry, right. go ahead. So, so, so you have these people and they clearly look back at some of the things they did and they have a record for it now and it looks pretty stupid, right? They were wrong. Bottom line is they were wrong. They treated it like there yeah. was this like massive tsunami of death coming our way that was going to wipe out half our population. And yeah, by the way, yeah. fair enough. If you had that kind of view in the very beginning, you were super, super conservative and you didn't really want to go outside. You didn't want other people going outside. You wanted to keep everything very low key. Fair enough, right? No problem. But now when you see the hypocrisy, when you see the level of corruption that has taken place at the political level within governments all across the Western world, when you see everything and you have the ability to read everything and you have the ability to watch everything still, I don't know how much longer, but still, and you're not going to retract some of the statements that you've made in the past and you're not going to apologize for some of the things that you did and some of the ways that you acted and some of the ways in which you perpetuated a constant state of fear, we're not going to move in the right direction. And this is what I find no, no. very frustrating with, for example. They're never going to apologize. Right. Yeah, this is what I find very frustrating with the whole vaccine issue. Like, people just rushed it. And they thought, and I get it, and it is what it is, but they thought they were going to get the jab and everything was going to go back to normal. And they didn't realize what was really going on here. And it was either they didn't, I guess, realize what was going on here, or they did realize what they were, what was going on, but they still believe that they could have an impact on the outcome. In other words, if I got my jab and I did my part, and I went to church and I said the right prayer, then all of a sudden people are going to get better and everything's going to go away. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think people looked at several other things that were happening all across society at the same time. Universal basic yeah. income was first experimented with. Uh, radical transformation of the work society, having people isolated from work. Um, people separated. Uh, little kids having to see masks. All their teachers wear masks. Um, yeah. You you look at which all is which is terrible for childhood. Terrible. It's and terrible. they knew that, and that was another thing they knew it. And then again, they said, "Well, it was it was worth it because the risk that we right. faced was just so great." Right. And I'm like, really? Ugh. It was so great. A 0.01% chance of dying is so great. For these kids, yeah, it's yeah, even yeah. less and, than and, that. And also, this is the thing. When they when they talk about, well, no, it's, you know, because the risk is too. I go, listen, in America right now, the rolling average is less than 300 people a day. That is, there are twice as many Americans a day dying in accidents, traffic accidents, work-related accidents, right? And this is a number that we all accept because... America is a country of 330 million people and accidents happen and not everyone can walk. We can't walk around with helmets and knee pads on all the time, right. you know, despite what the Fauci's of the world want. Right. But the people, for some reason, John, they can't seem to accept this. They, I, I think a lot of them feel it in their bones and they kind of know it's true, yep. but they're just too afraid to speak out. And this is how totalitarian regimes came about. You know, right. when the Nazis came about, most Germans were not Nazis, but most Germans put their heads down and just kind of went along with it because they yeah. didn't want to get canceled, quote well, unquote. And, and, and real quick, and then you can continue real quick, or it was like the situation last year where, gosh forbid, man, I really don't like this guy Hitler, 
but compared to the communists, he's our best chance. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of people yeah, yeah, said yeah. last election said, look, man, like Biden's yeah. falling apart and the radical left is kind of scary. But if it means that Trump is out of office, that selfish, narcissistic, bombastic son of a gun, get him out. Right. Get him right. out. No yeah. matter what, we have to get him out Definitely. and we can work on, you know, moderate, you know, modernizing the uh, the radical left and getting Joe Biden on a ventilator to stay alive. The that was a bet made very much like Germans made the bet saying, oh, well, if it's between the communists or this guy who loves Germany, I guess he's a right. little crazy, but he's certainly better than the communists. And yeah, yeah. And, and there you go. <laughs> I mean, and then on top well, of you know, people and, forget. and funny, funny thing about that. And this is just a sidebar, you know, for as evil as Hitler is and for as evil as fascism is, uh, communism has killed five times as many people in the 20th century alone. Yep. We're talking about over 100 million bodies. But anyway, that's just a sidebar. No. So it ended. It turned out being that communism was way worse. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's a situation that that we're facing now where people are, they, I get it. People were in a situation, they kind of panicked and they said, okay, I have to pick one or the other. Um, and it, like you said, it doesn't start, it doesn't happen overnight. And yeah. what I would just say to a lot of people, but like it this, does happen quickly, John, it does happen. You know, and, it does, yes. People get surprised at, Oh my goodness. How, how did I end up in an apartheid state? Right. And yet New York is, is going to do that mid September. They're not going to allow anybody indoors and re indoor restaurants and gyms unless they have a vaccine right. passport so literally new york this shining beacon of, of of liberalism and openness and equality is imposing apartheid that right. is what they are doing right right for all these people who call themselves liberals which means openness i mean it's it's, it's really amazing how, how liberals they you know it's like okay well you're no longer allowed to say my body my choice anymore yeah, you're no well, longer allowed to say. You're also not allowed to say that it, you like to take. You're not risks. allowed to say that if it only applies to your political tribe. That's not what a principle is. A principle means you believe something for everybody. Oh yes, yeah. I believe in freedom of speech for everybody. Correct. Yes, that's what a principle is. Not I believe in freedom of speech, but you know, if if you're a Trump supporter and you're saying things I don't like, well, then I, you shouldn't have freedom of speech. But that that's exactly what ninety percent of liberals unfortunately believe because Correct. they're cowards. People well, are cowards. The, the, the true liberal would have said in very clear terms, live your life. If you're worried, stay home. And if, mm -hmm. if, 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 if live we'll, and let live, that's right. what I mean, this is like when I was growing up, this is what this is why I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a liberal. I'm, I'm a, I, I oh, they were the cool ones. Liberal. They were all the cool ones. Like, yeah, if you think about you it, live your life how you want yeah, to live your right. life. I'll live your, how my life, how I want to live my life. Right. And live and let live. But it's right. not that anymore. Right. Not and, that. No, it's, 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 it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. And I mean, you know, look, it's not only the left. I would say the Republicans, one thing that I noticed very similar uh, to what went on with COVID, you know, I love it when they can, oh man, the government's so good at this, Sean. They can, they can name a bill, a certain name. And if you say you're against it, right? You're like, like this was something that both Republicans and Democrats have done. So I don't know if you remember, but it was a terrible act that was, uh, that was passed in the 1990s. And of course, you know, I'm gonna say it and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're like anti-disability people. So it was like the American Disabilities Act, which was awful mm -hmm. by the way, but mm -hmm. because it pretty much forced you as a business to cater to things that if you had to I, make- I remember this. You know, if you had to make these changes to your business, it would bankrupt you. And the people yep. that pushed this were the big corporations because they could afford yep. to modify yes. their buildings. So like it was a yes. fan, and this is this, I'm ranked, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I know like this is obviously her big book with um gosh I'm forgetting the name, <laughs> come on, how am I not? Atlas Shrugged, sorry. 
That was uh, true. So, so like yep. one thing that she totally understood was if you had big corporations and they didn't want competition, they could cooperate with government so that this could limit other people's opportunities mm -hmm. to play mm -hmm. the game. And and yes. so I, what I'm trying to say is with the American Disabilities Act, remember the Republicans, they passed this thing called the Patriot Act, right? Oh, yeah. And then the, oh, yeah. And then the <laughs> Democrats pushed this thing a couple a year ago or something, like Green New Deal. How could you like oh, yeah. what I love about what the government's able to do with these with these politicians and global governments and multinational corporations, they pick names that if you say you're against it, like the media can yeah. spin you as, oh, you're against you're against disabled people. You're not a patriot. Well, you're not. A, yeah. You, oh, I, you I'm, support I'm just, this. Yeah, act. I'm just oh. waiting. I'm just waiting for the anti-racism act to come through Congress and sweep through Congress and start pushing CRT in, in schools. I mean, anti-racism is racism just right. with just with a new coat of paint. Essentially. Right. So but all they have to do, all they have to do is say it's the anti-racism bill. And as soon as people start raising their mouths against it and go, no, 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 no this is CRT. They're going to go, but, but this is anti-racism. Are, are you a racist? And literally that stupid word trick gets people stumped yep. because people are so afraid of being called a racist with no evidence whatsoever. They're just terrified of it because they're cowards. Again, right. people are cowards. Right. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll let this garbage go through, like, just like they let the Patriot Act go through. Right. The and Patriot there'll be another Act. name. Oh, yes. oh, pa oh, patriotism. You mean letting the police state rape us, essentially. Yes. Oh, great. Wonderful. The, the other one now. was National Defense Authorization Act. It's like, well, how could you be against the national defense? It's like, well, I'm actually kind of against the idea that the government could go to another country and kill a U.S. citizen without any trial. I think that's actually mm -hmm. not a good sign. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of against the idea of secret prisons and torture. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of against that. That, that, problem, that kind of violates this thing called the cruel and unusual punishment. But, you know, I mean, who cares about the Constitution? I mean, habeas, habeas corpus. Obama effectively rescinded habeas corpus. You yeah. know? No, this it'll is something be that's been around since point. the Magna Carta. John, this is... This is a very important piece of human human enlightenment, but yeah. no, no, no. Security is more important. Yeah, and people have to value it. That's another thing too. People don't value it, and kind of people get distracted, or they get naive, or they get kind of complacent with their life, and obviously they're going to struggle. Um, I want to tie this back to our, the economy because a lot of people yeah, are looking at the economy, that, yeah. and in the United States, there's several things that are happening. Um, People talk about inflation. I can't tell you that it's like at the point where it's like, oh my gosh. I will say that if you're a millennial trying to buy a home, good luck. You're not going to be able to do it. Um, I will, That's by design, John. That's I will say design. that if you're if you're someone who would like to start a small business, good luck. If you're in certain states in America, um, and we're in a situation now where people have to, you know, here's my thing, Sean, we can't do everything in the name of the economy. Let's just say, for example, everything works out and everyone has food on the table and everyone has a place to, to live and no one owns anything, right? You would say that doesn't exist. And I'll say, well, how many people in America right now own their homes? And you'll say, oh, home ownership is at an all time high. And I'll say, no, the bank owns the home. Yeah, and then the I'll ask somebody, home. How that's many been, people? That's been the case for that's been the case for almost hundred years. They've right. been enslaved by banks by almost hundred years. Right, and then I'm like, well, how many people own cars? Oh, I mean, car, car, uh, car, you know, uh, car ownership is at an all time high. And I'm like, no, they don't own the car. They get a loan and they pay off the loan. No one right. owns a car. The point that I'm trying to make, Sean, 
is we're not too far away from this idea of socially engineering society for people to be okay with not home, with not with without owning things. The mm -hmm. the first is obviously why own a house, why own property in general, right? The mm -hmm. the second one is transportation. You know, people don't own their transportation. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the third, when you look at what we're looking at in terms of families, how much of how much are we actually placing investment in the family? We don't own families mm -hmm. anymore. It's like we right, kind of lease right. we lease girlfriends, we <laughs> lease boyfriends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We lease them. Yeah, it, we lease you know, them. You know, it, we get married. It doesn't work out. We can divorce, of course, yeah, very easily exactly. and move it's on. A temporary thing. So it's, we it's lease our relationship. Marriage has now become a convenience. Yeah, marriage it's, has now become a convenience. And then, so we lease. We lease our relationships. Yeah. We. Yeah. We lease our cars, we lease our homes, and the thought of the day is, well, so what? As long as people, we lease our phone, yeah, we lease our phones, we lease our houses, and when it's at the end of the day, well, as long as people can get their fix, what's the big deal? Yeah. And I just had to make that point about the economy, and obviously you're gonna get into the experiment with universal basic income, and the fact that corporations are loving this, because they're benefiting from this pandemic like crazy. And the blue dog Democratic leadership is gone, wiped out. They don't care about this business guys anymore, the little guys. So anyway, I want to throw all that out you and realize that we're not too far away from owning nothing and quote unquote being happy. Because I don't yeah, believe, yeah, I don't that, believe to, that's to life. The world, to quote the World Economic Forum. Might as well just in, call in it the American Zoo. No, just call it the American Zoo and you don't have to put up, you know, right. like we just live in a zoo. Where they feed you and they give you a little space to run around and they give you a bunch of likes and social media just like, you know, they do at the zoo where everyone kind of pets mm -hmm. the dog and all that crap and he smiles yeah, yeah, yeah. and waves, yeah, you, you will, takes pictures. You will live, you will live in the, uh, the tube, you live in the pod and you'll eat the bugs and you'll be happy. Right. You, you know, they'll let you, they'll let you out of your tube. If the if the state deems it safe, you they'll know, give you your synthetic you meat. had all your daily vaccinations and then. You know, you'll get tax credits for dating AI uh, because dating humans is dangerous. You can spread viruses that way. That's the, I mean, that's the road that they want to go down, essentially. And I know that I'm painting kind of a sci-fi dystopia. But a year ago, if I were to say vaccine passports, like the, the police are going to be going through France. Are they are doing like they're doing right now and looking at people's papers like in Nazi Germany? Or in Soviet Russia, and going, okay, you, you're okay. You can, you can drink in this cafe. If I were to say that a year ago, you'd go, you're nuts. That's a conspiracy theory. That stuff happened 70 years ago. We're over that. We fought wars against that. But guess what? So you know, it's uh, truth is stranger than fiction because that shit's happening right now, John. They're trying to get that passed in America with like, with millions of people. Just yeah, okay, right. totally. Here, you know, keep keep the rabble out. You have to you have to vaccine mandates, of course, of course. We yeah. need to protect people against a, a deadly virus with a point zero zero three percent infection mortality rate. The right. Delta, the, the Delta variant, which is ten times more uh, uh, um, uh, contagious, but ten times less deadly because that's <laughs> how viruses mutate. They don't go both; they go one to the other. <laughs> I know. So you know, but so it's not sci-fi. It's really happening. Right. So, okay. So the economy, All right? One, okay. Let's address that. I'm seeing this a lot online. 
where uh, businesses are struggling to find employees. You see signs up all over the place saying, you know, hiring now, $500 signing bonus once you sign your contract, blah, 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 stuff like this, offering all kinds of perks. And nobody's biting because the government is still paying out 600 a week in unemployment. And you have all these leftists going, well, you know, if they wanted, if they wanted to, to, to hire people, they should be paying them more. And it's like, well, listen, first off, listen, I'm not happy about shitty wages, but this is the thing. The economy works on a tier system and the pay is commensurate with the value. And turns out, a short order chef at McDonald's is not worth $15 an hour. Now, I'm sorry if that triggers people, but those jobs were never meant to be for middle-aged parents raising children and owning a home. Sorry, no. Those jobs were always for people at the very bottom rung of the ladder who needed to make some money and cl- so they'd climb their way up. I'm talking about people who were like teenagers, who are getting out of school and trying to pay their way through college, uh, disabled people who can't work in offices, uh, um, you know, or, or do high skilled work, or retirees who are done, you know, who are finished with their regular job and they just want to work a few days a week and they make extra scratch stuff like this, or immigrants who just got here with no money in their pockets and no and no uh, uh, degree, so they want to build up their resume and build up their skills and maybe get to a manager position, whatever whatever make or make a little bit extra money where they can get the family over okay that was originally what the unskilled labor market was for and now you have all these people who are saying no we demand this wage and 15 dollars and blah 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 it's like okay so essentially you're sitting there like a bunch of parasites you're taking up all these low rung ladder positions when you should be graduating to higher positions but you're too lazy and you want more money and so all of those positions that the low lower class poor people people who just got here with no money young kids trying to get started you're taking all of their jobs all of those jobs don't exist now because you're just sitting on them and you're asking for a wage that is not commensurate with the value of the work that you're doing so when you sit at home and you accept six hundred dollars a week from the government don't get surprised when suddenly the cost of all of those things that you wanted to buy starts skyrocketing because of inflation. Because once you increase the supply of the U.S. dollar by such an amount, and I think it's some ridic- like 30% of, of currency that has existed, U.S. Uh, currency existed, has been printed in the last year, something absurd. And we are going to see, we're going to reap the, the, not the benefits of that. We're going to reap what we sow, what they sow, by seeing the value of that currency plummet. It's just supply and demand. If I have a, a, a bottle of water in the desert, it's worth its weight in gold. If I have an ocean in the desert, it's no longer worth anything, right? An ocean of fresh water. Because the supply increases, therefore the value goes down. So you increase the supply of money, the value of that dollar amount goes down. And then when all of those businesses have gone out of business because they can't find any workers or they shrink to such a point where they're no, no longer hiring people and all of that unemployment will run out. It will run out and it, then the cost of the dollar will be worthless. All of these people are going to be sitting around going, where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? And guess what? Amazon was going to come in. Disney's going to come in. Google's going to, you're going to, you're going to be throwing boxes for Amazon. That's, those are going to be the jobs that are available because the corporations have 
the economic uh, the economic scale to be able to deal with this attrition. And when all the small businesses just disappear because either they can't find people to, to, to hire or they're too afraid to open in the first place because they don't know if Joe Biden is going to close the close the the economy again because of the theta variant or the zeta variant or whatever the hell variant they're going to come up with next right. there's going to be no more small businesses and you're going to have giant just corporate overlords taking over everything and everyone's going to go oh man this sucks right uh, and then they're going to keep and then they're going to keep on voting for progressive politicians because well, they don't seem to realize that they are the cause of the problem and they don't seem to <laughs> realize that they are the biggest supporters and cheerleaders of corporations so yes. I, I don't quite understand yes. where the left went, where they, you know, I have said this before, I don't want to go too crazy on it. Um, I mean, quite frankly, the left's given up on the little guy and they've been silent on the little guy that's been hurt because this very creative, innovative, small business has completely been wrecked. And yeah. Yeah. there's been no sense of looking at this person with compassion, with empathy. There's been no policy put in place to make these large global corporations pay a certain tax and have that money go to help these small businesses that obviously were hurt. No, what happened was they were left aside. They were left aside and they were told, just sit back, you know, things are gonna get better and things aren't getting better. Now, it obviously depends on which small business you are. If you're in Florida right now and you own a small business in the air conditioning industry, you're booming, right? But one yeah. thing is happening that every small business has to understand, that is that America has no longer, and I think this is this is the problem with our economy that I have, Sean, probably more than anything else. We went from being the producer of the world to the consumer of the world. And that's yeah, just sure. not a good strategy for winning. If you yeah. want to be an economic winner, it's important that you produce more stuff than you consume. If I have a yeah. farm, it's very important that I am exporting more things than I am importing. And mm -hmm. I've heard this before. People say, yeah, yeah, but everything's in dollars. So, you know, they're going to have to spend those dollars on something. And I'm like, look, you don't get it. You didn't listen to what I just said. If you are not producing stuff, if you're producing less and consuming more, please tell me one, tell me one, one thing in life in which that is a recipe for success. I'll give you an example, right. which is not. Let's take the thing calories, Okay. Mm -hmm. For everything, if I eat certain food, right, I have to make sure mm -hmm. that I do something, right, in order to work off that calorie. Yeah, I just gotta, can't do keep, some physical exercise. I can't compound movement. I can't keep consuming, consuming calories after calories and not think of burning calories, right? I think yeah. most yeah. people would agree that burning calories are is, is just as important as consuming calories. We're we're in an economic situation, Sean. Well, Where wait, we are that you could, just, you could just wait, wait, you could just identify as a skinny person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, no, it's ahead. great. So, so one of the things that we're looking at right now is like we, we seem to be like that fat guy that's just consuming, consuming, consuming and sure. expecting that you can consume your way to thinness, that you can right. consume your way into shape. And that's my analogy for the economy, the economic situation that we're faced with. Now, the the bright light that I see with America is that we are still the country in which can get very creative, very innovative, and we actually have a really good habit of being able to change on the dime and improv and yeah. come up with oh, new sure. ways to survive and come up with new ideas and 
And so I do think that's in our blood where we take chaos and we're able to kind of take this chaos and mold something together. And it's not the greatest situation, but if we can use our creative minds, we can take a negative and make it into a positive. I think we actually have that in our blood. But what I am saying is that the more you outsource, the more you outsource your political influence overseas, global corporations, global bodies of government, the harder it's going to feel when they say it's time for you guys to pay. I'll give you an example of this. After when the midterms come up, or let's say Trump does get reelected, what what people have to understand is so much of the power that we've given, we've outsourced to other countries that they can ultimately hold us hostage. And they can yeah. say, Trump gets elected, we're gonna throw your economy. We're gonna stop buying your right. debt. Trump gets elected and we're going to stop financing certain parts of your industries that really, really need our financing. And what I'm seeing over the past couple of years, let's just say the last 18 months, Sean, is that we are taking so much from other countries and we just think that, oh, nothing's going to be asked of us in the future. Think about this for a second, Sean. China's not playing the critical race theory games in their school systems. No, no, no. They they know that it's weakening our society. But it's they great for them. They're not teaching their their men to be weak. No. So they're they're not teaching their own countrymen to hate their country, or at least yeah, yeah. let's just let's be I mean, that might be a little too blunt. They're not teaching that China is systemically a racist country. Right, right, right. So, mm-hmm. or defined by slavery. There was no 1619 project in China over the past couple of yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to say, Sean, is they know there are some basic ingredients to have a successful society. Number one, mm-hmm. it's important that you have strong men. A, right? B, mm-hmm. huh, it's important that they actually have women, something that they failed to understand, as you know, a couple of decades ago, in which now they're expanding their child policy. So Mm -hmm. they understand that it's important for women to be in their society and to have multiple children now. They understand that. Mm -hmm. They understand that you need strong men. And they understand that it's important to love your country. It seems to me, Sean, and I could be wrong, but we're actually doing the exact three things opposite. We're telling women to make sure that you're going to create... We're, we're, we're telling women, mm-hmm. spend the next, spend, spend your 20 to 40 years of life in a career. Just working. And yeah, then working, when you're 40, you can have kids, even though your chances of getting pregnant are much slave. smaller. And your chances of finding a good mate are much smaller the older you get as women. But again, that's taboo. You can't say that. So mm-hmm. we're telling our women to start families very late. We're telling our men to stop being strong. Mm-hmm. And we're telling us... We're telling us, our, our society, that loving your country is a racist, homophobic thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? People can say all they want. They can blame China for the virus. You can't blame China for demasculizing their population. You can't blame China for having their women not wanting to have kids here in America. And you can't blame China for having uh, patriotism be something of a parasite. And mm-hmm. instead, we're not focusing on that. And I know it's a side note. But it is absolutely directed to this economy where when people are just doped up on buying stuff on Amazon, watching shit on Netflix, they get so distracted. And meanwhile, they're going to wake up one day and be like, what the heck? What happened? Where, where, yeah. where is this? What's going on? How did it? And yeah. they're just caught off guard. And I think mm-hmm. in particular, the baby boomer has suffered this the most in terms of getting the punch in the face last year, where they probably thought they had this beautiful vision 
of a country in which they'll be able to retire and go here and there and go to Europe and have all these wonderful mm-hmm. things and amenities and boom, COVID mm-hmm. hits and they got knocked out. Yeah. And now the yeah. most sad thing that I think is very unfortunate is on top of those three things that I mentioned to you, and then you can continue, the worst part of all of this, Sean, that I see, and this is specifically happening in Western countries, Canada, America, France. One of the things that's very, very frustrating me for to watch is to see how old people are demanding that young people make sacrifices for their life. And oh, their yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen that a lot, too. And I just yep. think that you want to top it off with women not wanting to have kids, men not wanting to be men, yeah. Americans not wanting to be patriots, and old people not wanting to make sacrifices so that a new generation can live. I just named right. you four things, Sean. Four yeah. things. And it's very unfortunate. And for some reason, we can participate in all of these four things and still expect that we're going to kick Russia's ass, that we're going to kick China's ass. Let me start addressing those. Let me start addressing those. Let's start with the old people one, okay? This is a wonderful example of, of, of leftists speaking for others as if they're their, av- their avatars, right? Like, you know, like when a leftist goes like, uh, or, or feminist, it's amazing. Like, I was, I was arguing with a, with a feminist in a, in a bar one time, and she's like, because all women, we need to stand up and we need to, and Paula jumped in and goes, who's we? Who's we? You don't speak for me. Like, literally just bitch slapped this woman mentally. <laughs> literally a, bit, a mental bitch slap. And it was like, yes, how dare you speak for all, the, all of these people who you have nothing to do with except a chromosome. That's it, right? So what they've done is they say, oh, but you don't want to get the facts. You don't want to mask up. You don't care about grandma and grandpa. Oh, how dare you speak for grandma and grandpa? Why don't you fucking ask grandma and grandpa? Ask them what they think. Because a lot of them will probably say, um, I've lived 80 years of my life. I don't, I'm not scared of a, of a virus with a 99% survival rate. And um, if I die, I die. I just want to see my family. I want to be free. You probably get that response a lot of the time. But instead, you have these like holier-than-thou progressives saying, but you're so selfish. You want to... You want to go outside of your house? You want to go to the gym? You want to go to a movie? You want to see your friends? How selfish can you be? And it's like, how dare you speak for the, the you know, the, these, these helpless victims who you're speaking for, you're not actually speaking for them. You're, you're putting words in their mouth, essentially. Right. So this is, the, this, is the, this is the progressive mindset. And this happens, and I mean, it's on the left now. It's also happened on the right back in the 90s with the, like, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and, you know, uh, uh, violent video games, violent music and stuff like that, as opposed to, hey, how about you raise your kids properly? Maybe then they won't go shoot up schools. Anyway, but that's another point. Yeah. It's the progressive mindset. Right. The progressive mindset is I think we should use the government as a cudgel to change society. Because, you know, uh, one one person died, one person got in a wreck, uh, uh, drunk driving. That means a million other people who didn't, they have to, you know, if they're caught with, uh, you know, the other alcohol, blood alcohol level uh, above a certain point, you lose your license. You, you can't even drive around anymore. Right. right. That means you can't work, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, you, your life has changed. OK, right. so a ridiculous punishment for something that you didn't even 
do, right? And I'm just using that as an example. Drugs are another example. Like, you know, one person dies of a heroin overdose. It's like, okay, yeah, drug abuse is pretty bad. Um, and we should treat that as like a public health issue. But throwing people in jail for possessing a drug that, that maybe they haven't even used is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Most, I mean, it's like most people are in jail for nonviolent drug drug crimes and they learn how to become violent criminals in jail. So it's like, yeah, the progressive solution is bad. Right. It's, not, it's not good. It's authoritarian. It's you trying to force your vision of society on everyone else through the government. And that's what they're trying to do here. So they're saying, oh, you need, we need to have vaccine passports and mask mandates and blah, 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 blah. And most people, because we're in a weak society now, will just go along with it. They'll go, uh, just give them what they want. They'll, then they'll shut up, you know? Right. And that's what we have. Right. Slowly but surely, our civil, not, I mean, not slowly, it's happening fast now. Right. Our civil liberties are stripped. We are locked in our homes. Gentlemen, in, in this country, we were locked in our homes twice. I thought that the first confinamiento was going to be like, okay, this is fucked up. And then the second one came along and I was like, all right, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to get a brick. I'm going to fall <laughs> through the, the windows in Moncloa. I'm ready. Yeah. Like I was ready to be full on revolutionary. And everyone else was like, well, we got to lock down. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Like these are the same people who lived through Franco, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know what dictatorships look like. This is a dictatorship. Right. This is worse. Right. But people are just like, we need we need to be locked in our houses. Right. Well, I think Bullshit. too, I think I think uh. what happens is that they've convinced themselves that the danger of COVID is so great that their their willingness to yeah. suffer this to suffer this uncomfort and their willingness to comply with government authority is worth the bet, is worth the price. But, the, I, but it's just, John, it just takes five minutes to look at the numbers. I know. And you go, oh, oh, I see. I, there's literally no risk. Right. There's no risk. Right. Unless I'm dying of cancer already. Which brings me back to no my risk. first point, which is like, you know, trying to examine the idea of knowing that there's very little risk. Why aren't people taking that risk? You know, it's not like we're asking. Mm -hmm massive amounts of people to storm the beaches of Normandy. We're not asking people to do that. And mm -hmm. I think a true free society would pretty much say from day one, starting tomorrow, starting whenever you want, make it very mm -hmm. clear. Right now, this virus is not a deadly virus. It does not have a great chance of killing you. You can die from it just like many other things. And because we don't shut down the economy or take away your civil liberties, to stop you from dying from other things that are much mm -hmm. more harmful than this thing, yeah. we are yep. going to allow you to be free. Period. Mm -hmm. Period. That's it. You know, I love, yeah. one of the things I love about Florida is that my son's daycare is never shut down from day one. It's never shut down. Mm, that's great. And, you know, no one's ever even talked about the fact that, like, people just, people think that. We did a, we, people think that by protecting you from COVID, you're protected from everything and everything has a cost. So if you thought that isolating your kid from play dates was a good decision, right? You're right. Maybe you can make the argument to me and you can say that it protected my son or daughter from COVID-19. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree, but I'll, I understand it. I totally understand what you're saying. And I would just say that, yeah, if you, I mean, obviously, Sean, if you isolate your, 
you're a son or daughter from a from people, then yeah, I guess you do limit their chances of getting a virus. The first thing I would say to that is, is that really a good thing for the human body? Isn't isn't mm-hmm. the human body naturally supposed to come into contact with things that help boost their immune system? That would be my my first initial response. So mm-hmm. in, in, in mm-hmm. fact, by not allowing your child's immune system to compete against viruses that might give you know it a run for their money that that's not the best decision for that kid okay but the second thing is is to think that that's not going to have a social impact on their well-being on their psychological Mm -hmm. mindset right Mm -hmm. is also a mistake to think that i can just isolate everybody away from any virus out there in this world and expect that there's no consequence that could possibly put you in a more negative situation than you were currently, right? Yeah. You got to be able to think about that. And people have to be able to think about that. And there were people who decided to say, look, we're not going to have our kids around other kids. We're not going to be around grandma and grandpa and all this stuff, right? But to do it and think that there's not going to be an economic or social cost to society, in which, by the way, Sean, you and I, we haven't necessarily seen. I, I think this is one of the things that we obsess with now specifically in the Western world, but I guess it's in the East too, but I can only speak about the West because that's where I grew up. We love to know things now. We want all the answers now, 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 now. Everything is about now. There are people who will tweet something and 10 minutes later look at that tweet and make sure to see if they get a like or not, right? I don't even know if it's called a like in Twitter. 10 seconds later. Or whatever it is, right? And they'll look and they'll look and they'll look and they give... And this probably started, and I think COVID exasperated this, like this this idea that people needed results and like everything in our life became so expedited. I thought about this, Sean. So we live in a society where we got like food really quick. We got transportation really quick. We got text messaging really quick. So production, communication, everything was so fast. And all of a sudden this virus comes out. And the antidote to the so-called virus is this so-called vaccine. But this vaccine, in theory, should take two to five years to develop. Two to five years is a marathon for people. You know, it's like people can't fathom waiting two days, let alone Mm -hmm. two years for something Mm -hmm. in their life, right? Amazon.com, they want that thing delivered three to five days every single time, right? That's why they buy the Prime membership, right? And they just sped up their lives and sped up their lives and sped up their lives and made everything about fast, fast, easy, easy, accessible, accessible, efficient, efficient. And now all of a sudden something comes along and the truth is that it's going to take a couple of years for this thing to die out. And it's going to take a couple of years for us to actually find a vaccine that works. And you should all know, ladies and gentlemen, that it actually has taken over 20 years for us to research a coronavirus vaccine that actually is successful. And after 20 years, we have to kind of tell you the public that we still haven't been able to find one that's successful. But we kind of can't tell you that because we're going to make you feel very panicked. And so we're going to kind of push that to the side and instead give you experimental drug. An experimental vaccine that does not have authorization, you know, well, all I mean, that stuff. I mean, they they are the ones who are panicking people, you know, when when they when they talk about cases rising and they explicitly leave out hospitalization and death. Right. This is a tactic that. But they even go, okay, even well, listen, Sean, if they if didn't, if we were to say, mm-hmm. even if they didn't, my my point is, people want things now. now I mean, there are yes, people now want that want the third yeah. booster. 
You know, they want a third booster. They want to get what they got. They got to have. They got to have salvation now. They have to be cleansed from their sins now. And well, I mean, and this is such a. To me, had they waited the two to five years for the vaccine, we wouldn't even need it because we'd all have herd immunity. Herd immunity done. We'd be done with this. And then there's other drugs like if we had focused on not on prevention. But on treatment, okay? We say, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about ivermectin and we're going to talk yep. about hydroxychloroquine. Yep. And we're going to treat the people who are sick. Right. And uh, guess what? If the hospitals get overrun, that means the hospitals don't work. And you need to, t- and you need to change this, the health system. Cool. You know, this is a big indictment of the public health system also after this. Because, you know, Amer- for example, the American, for as effed up as the American system is, it never was overrun here in Spain and in all the socialized uh, 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 Medicare, uh, socialized healthcare countries. They were all overrun. Do you know why? Because the quality of the healthcare is not as responsive as in the private sector. Period. Simple yeah. as that. And so, if the government says, "Well, no, no, we need you to stop living your life because our healthcare system is shit, and we need you to slow down," guess what? I'm going to tell you to go fuck off. Right. I'm going to go live my life. If you can't make a, 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 a good working system with the trillions of mutton dollars of euros that you steal from people every single year, yeah. then go fuck yourself. Right. This is not, and it's, it's, it's a public health nanny state right. we're living in right now. It's right. unbelievable. We all have to bend to the will of these people. And if, if, if we had said, no, screw you and your health system, we're gonna go outside, get some vitamin D, we're gonna go buy some hydroxychloroquine for $15, which is what they do in Africa for malaria, by the way. This is why the cases in the cases of uh, COVID in, in Africa are almost gone, is because people are taking hydroxychloroquine for malaria and ivermectin, and that kills the virus outright. So if we were doing that from the get-go and saying, yeah, let's, let's focus on uh, prevent, uh, treatment, of the sick instead of prevention. Because guess what? If I get it, nothing's going to happen. I might have a fever for one day. That's it. If we had done that from the get-go, John, we would be done with this. This would have been done in six six weeks, and it would have been, yeah, flatten curve, everyone's back to normal. But no, no, they want to prolong this as long as they can, John, because it's a way to extract power and resources. Well, I want to go back to, to, I think, why it was a big deal last year, and I want to go back to Trump, because so many people thought that if they gave in to the idea that this was not a big deal, that we were wrecking the economy, that things were really bad, and that this was not the price to pay. They felt like they were caving into Trump and Trump supporters and the Republicans. I think there were people genuinely deep down that had no problem for the American society to totally collapse in 2020 if it meant that Trump was going to be out of office. I genuinely believe that. I, and I, I don't hold anything against these people. I understand the logic behind that, right? You have convinced yourself that there's this evil monster in the White House. And this evil monster is such a threat to humanity that if it means that a small group of people that are well connected with global bodies of governments and multinational corporations pull off one of the greatest hoaxes of all times and fool people and take advantage of people and put people in situations in which they are going to be just absolutely pushed to the ground, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And they yeah. knew it. Yeah. And they know it to this day. They know that the things that happened in 2020 were terrible. But that the price was worth it when it comes down to the trade-off. And that was Trump out of office. Somehow, someway, Sean, yeah. this guy really got underneath the skin of so many Americans. And a lot less than people think. Like, I don't, 
I don't for one second believe that you can have this thing called a mail-in ballot and actually look me in the eye and say that you can do this in a way in which is absolutely uh, free of corruption, unlike when you come in person to person, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the situation that we're in, I just think so many people had this guy in their heads in 2020. And I think so many people have already made or did make the decision that if things need to be wrecked, if chaos needs to spread, and if this is the only way, if this is the only way this man gets out of office, then by gosh, then let's do it. Okay. Oh, John, I I have no doubt. This is how depraved these people are, the, 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 the people who are in who are in charge, really. This is how depraved they are. Is that for as bad as Trump was? I didn't, you know. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm it's plenty that I can criticize the guy about. He did reveal that kind of deep state because, you know, for for as much as he did, like gaffes and just nonsense and like inflating the budget and stuff like that, you could see how much media treated him like he was the devil. And then you go, wait a minute, this doesn't scale correctly. And you realize, oh, it's because he's a threat to their power. They're trying to maintain power. They're trying to maintain control. Therefore, they're going to say whatever they want about him. And I have no doubt in my mind, John, that if they could have initiated a war, a nuclear war somewhere, and blamed it on Trump they, to make Trump look bad, they would have done that. They, they, they would be fine with millions of people dead if it means that Trump gets out of office and they get their puppet in. What I don't think For they sure. were so much afraid down, of him. I, I think they're mind. really There's away. Problems. I think they're afraid of his. I think the supporters are the ones that bother the elites. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's, it's that's because that's he he is able to unify this very strange group of people. When I mean strange, like people that that came out to vote for him that you wouldn't on paper ever think up until right. now would vote for people one who person. have never voted before. Yeah, people who never and, before. and he brought this unification said, that was hey, very you know, difficult like to define. Yeah, it was very difficult to to try to define who voted for Trump is incredibly difficult. Because the people yeah. who decided to vote for him did not fall under a certain category in terms of in the yeah. path. They were they were conservatives. Uh, they were moderate liberals. They were blue dog Democrats. They were working class. Yeah. No, like he kind of broke into several parts in America and made it in a way in which demographically speaking and economically speaking, it was not a very difficult – it was a it was a very difficult thing to suggest that there was one group that really – you know, propelled yep. him to, lot of, lot to the of, election. A lot of disaffected Bernie supporters went for him also, you know? Yeah, it was so a strange like group he, of people. And yeah. I think they, when I mean strange again, just just the, the way they came together. So that behind him to, to think that this man could run again and have that engine of support. And I think they know deep down that this engine is so powerful that it truly would run them over. Um, and they also understand, I hope they'd understand, like if you ever did anything, JFK is a good example of this, right? You did anything to Trump or his family. You you silence him, you just created 10 times the amount of supporters. You exile right. him to another country, you create 100 times his supporters. You right. imprison him, you create 1,000 times his supporters. And you decide to destroy him and get rid of him. Well, that's a hundred thousand times. You know, then you've just created a lead. You've created a religion. You know, right and, right? and I think they even know that. And I think that's why sometimes when you wonder, like, oh, why don't they put him in behind bars, or why don't they, you know, use harsh tactics and try take a drone? And because I think deep down they know that the support for him 
is great enough to the point right now where the only only option they have not in order to not magnify his support is to pretty much silence him and kind of go after his reputation which is kind of funny because he's already known to be a sleazy yeah he never a, yeah he never a, had a good reputation no he never did him. he never he was always known to being kind of like a sleazy womanizer businessman yeah. who likes yeah, to take and, risks and a reality tv star who loves america you know, it's like, like who loves america that's who he is right a sleazy yeah. womanizer businessman who loves america and is proud of this country it's like <laughs> how do you <laughs> this and everything that you have on him makes him look sleazy and makes him look like a womanizer. But the problem is that people already knew that when they voted for him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So now your only but other that, option. I mean, the, the, the reason why they did was because they hated the cathedral. They hated Hillary. They hated the Clintons. They hated the Bushes. They hated the Obamas. All the establishments that make up the deep state. They hated that. Yeah, and, and plus so we have a lot of Americans who are not tied. You ever notice? Perfect people are going to be like, "Yep, I'm for him." Right. Why? Because he pisses off the elites. Right. And so. and people aren't afraid. The one thing I've learned about America, it's not like, let's say, British politics where maybe people are a little bit more loyal. <laughs> I feel like America actually is a funny country where it's like, yeah, why don't we go with Obama? Yeah, why don't we go with Trump? There is something about Americans that don't mind change. And they don't mind well, not John, having somebody who looks... They don't that look. Speaks to an even greater, and I'll, I'll, go for I'll, it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish off on this. Will be my last point. Go for it. That speaks to the point that when you realize that Americans are like that, they're like, "Yeah, why not? We'll go for an Obama. Yeah, why not? We'll go for a Trump." It makes you realize why are we even picking people to run the country in the first place? Why? This is me getting on my anarchy soapbox. Why? Why are we? Do, why are we? subjecting people to the false binary of either you choose this democrat or this republican and they have to and it's like well i hate this guy less and hey who knows maybe this will work out it's like how about the better solution is nobody nobody's in charge we just dismantle the government and we have local you know local governments if you want you know like right the, the amount of americans who are disillusioned with their government who don't trust politicians it's most Americans. It's essentially just a contest of who they hate less at this point. Right. And it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, I'll go along with this because Americans are very resilient. Americans are very resilient and we're very open-minded also. We'll, we'll go along with a lot of things. Right. And that resilience and that open-mindedness could be put to much better use in a completely voluntary society. Right. That's that. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And then to finish up on that note, I will say this, that I think we're, it's time for a politician Ron Paul had a great line and he said, most people elect people to tell to most people get in political office and they tell you what they're going to do. I am going to run as a candidate and I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to do. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, most people say, most people say, for example, you know, this is what I want the government to do for you. I'm going to be a candidate that says, this is what I'm going to make sure I don't have the government do for you. I, I will say this, Sean. I am waiting, and if there's anyone out there that has enough money, one of the greatest campaigns you could run to differentiate yourself from anyone out there is say, "My, I am running to give all the power and all the authority back to the states, and any and and and, and not just say like literally be somebody who says I am running so that I don't have power." 
Mm-hmm. If you want, mm-hmm. if you want a strong-arm authoritarian leader, don't vote for me. If you want someone yeah. to sign executive orders, don't vote for me. If you want someone mm-hmm. to make this grandiose speech and tell you all the things I'm going to do for you, don't vote for me. Yeah. What I'm yeah. going to do is I'm going to take all of the inefficient, lazy, corrupt bureaucracies that are killing your life, and I'm going to free you of those. And I'm going to pass all those responsibilities down to a level in which you have much more freedom and much more say and much more accountability when it comes down to those institutions. That yeah, is what yeah, I, am, yeah. I am running and then on to, the exact... And then tomorrow, tomorrow, so-and-so commits suicide yeah. by shooting himself in the head six times. You I know. know? I like, know. That's literally now, what happened, Johnny. That's well, and happened. there'll be a scandal. Now, but, but the thing is, is that voice is needed. You know, I think... I, this is yeah. where, again, I go on Ron Paul, what I appreciate is he probably knew deep down that when he came out and he said, no, we're going to get rid of the Department of Education. We're going to get rid of like all these bureaucracies that are taking away your freedoms mm-hmm. and, and specifically took on the military industrial complex. I think he deep down knew that he didn't have a shot to win the presidency. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't – He mobilized a lot of people. Correct. Though. If it wasn't for him, he did change the culture of certain issues. Yeah. I believe he was the – I 100% believe this. He was the greatest vehicle into introducing to the Republican Party the idea of not being a police state to the world. If you look at the Republican Party today and those who that are not even Republicans but have voted for Republicans, look at the percentage of people who don't want to be imperialists, who don't want a police state. And it's much greater now than it was when he ran in 2012, I believe. And so I will just say that that person out there, like I I would agree, an anarchist background telling everyone out there all of the problems that government has created for you and that you will liberalize those people by getting rid of those problems. And you need that voice because they may not become president, but the people need to hear that message. And the best part about a person like that is they have leverage. Now they have to negotiate. Now someone out there who's a politician who wants to get reelected can't just go on the same thing and say, we're going to invade Afghanistan. We're going to invade Iraq Mm -hmm. because they know there's a portion of the American people that are not going to put up with it. And the crazier they get when it comes down to being an imperialist, when it becomes putting draconian policies in place as a result of a virus that's really not affecting people to the extent Mm -hmm. that we're told, they're kept in check. And so that's just something that I would end on is – there, there, there needs to be a voice, and not just a voice at the national level, but in at in states, at the local level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, sure. I, I, like I said, I consider myself a national anarchist, a local monarchist. Monarchist. <laughs> I believe local governments should be tyrants. They should be Stalin. They, sh- they should be Stalin's. They should be people that say we are not going to allow. We are going to instill the fear of God into any business, into any business that wants to treat us like a prostitute. And if you're going to do business in my local community, you better damn invest in the people. And if you don't, we're going to toss you out. Now, extreme, I know, but at the same time, I'm not going to let Walmart move in and knock over a beautiful park just because it's going to create jobs. And create low prices. And people get to consume more shit in their garages. That two years later they sell at their local garage sale. 
right? Tax sale. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. that's where I am politically on that. Um, do, you, do you? I want to end, Sean, really uh, with a prediction. We kind of mentioned as the summer was going to wind down, they were going to do anything when it came down to vaccine passports. I, I might have mentioned mm -hmm. this to you before. I'm still trying to find out whether or not it's a mad scientist whose rocket's exploding and pushing all these crazy buttons, hoping that he finds the right... Uh, right. The losing, right... Losing control. Yeah. That, that, that It's like that mad scientist losing control of an experiment, pushing all the buttons, hoping that if he pushes all the right buttons at the right time, at the right place things will magically come back to normal and under control? Or is this just a well-polished, well-oiled machine that has already took in the next, that is already two steps ahead of us? You see what I'm saying? And so, that's where I am. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm kind of, I, I'm torn in, in, in between two. I'm torn in yeah, two yeah. this, yeah. Right, you're, you're, you're talking about you know the establishment what, because as we see the, the media narrative get crazier and crazier, you're thinking, is this by design or are they really panicking? Correct. And I think what's, I think what's going on is they don't care that it doesn't make any sense because they're literally just going day by day. Right. They're they're opportunists. Right. Thieves are opportunists. Thieves are cowards and opportunists. And what they're doing is literally it's like, oh, it looks like uh, the truth is coming out. Well, I'm going to rather than try and obfuscate it, I'm just going to change the subject so people aren't talking about the truth, because there are things that they said way back at the beginning of COVID that we know flat out are wrong and they were lying about and they were all wrong about. Just look at Fauci, you know, he's been more wrong than right on COVID. And yet the, male, the man still has the audacity to hold his job and draw a sizable salary of half a million dollars a year. And he hasn't had the common decency to, you know, go disappear, hand in his letter of resignation and go die somewhere. He hasn't had the decency to do that. So they don't care. They're not necessarily the you know, I'm playing 4D chess and I know everything that's going to go. No, no, no. They're not that smart. No one's that smart. They are just opportunists. They're magicians, John. They know how to, when, as soon as the audience goes, wait a minute, this is bullshit. The rabbit's not really in his hat. Then he goes, ooh, well, look what's up my sleeve. And they distract you with something else. So they're opportunists and they're literally grasping at straws. Not necessarily that they're pushing buttons to try to make sure that the ship gets righted. No, no, no. They're... They don't care if the ship crashes because they can show you, they can distract you with something else. That's how nihilistic they are. That's how power hungry they are. I think that's what's going on. And what we need to do is we need to change the way we look at the world. We need to look, change the way we look at society because, and I'll end this on risk. They'll say, oh, there's a risk of COVID. And most people go, oh no, I don't want to be, I don't want to risk. I think we need to change the conversation and say, listen, risk exists everywhere. The risk of COVID is minuscule, and we know that now. The risk of COVID is minuscule, especially if you're outside getting fresh air and you're and you're healthy. You know, then it's practically nothing. You're you're fine. Nothing's going to happen to you. Take off that stupid mask, right? We need to change the conversation to say, risk. Who cares? You risk your life whenever you get in your car and you drive to work every single day. Twice as many people die in traffic accidents than are a day than are dying from COVID. More than that, but. We accept it. Right. We don't wear bicycle helmets when we're in a car. We don't limit the speed limit to 30 miles an hour. We don't uh, wear uh, four point, five point harnesses like uh, race car drivers. No, we live with the risk. 
We need to learn how to live with the risk and live mm. our lives and go back to living our lives. That needs to be what the narrative is. That's, right. that's, that's what we need to do. Right. That's how, and that's, I'll leave it on that. No, it's great. When someone mentions that, you can just say, compared to what? And that's a Thomas Solism right there. You know. Thomas Sowell goes, you know, whenever someone presents you with an argument, you say, based on what, what do you have as hard evidence? And yeah, and, and compared to what? Like, what, what are you comparing this to, essentially? Like, what, like, like, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, based on that, what? He said it best. Yes. He said it best. You know? Yes, based on what compared to what? I would just yeah. ask that people make that, that think about that, you know? Think, think about when someone brings up the idea of, well, there's a risk if you travel. There's a risk if you get if you don't get the vaccine, then there might be a risk that, again, based on what evidence and compared to what? Compared to what? Compared to what? Traffic compared accidents, what? diabetes, there's, there's, there's heart disease. There's a risk every time I walk out my door. I mean, there's, of course there's Correct. a risk. You know, I might, I might get a I – might, I there's a risk my kid can drown in the pool. Yeah. That happens more often way more often yep. than kids dying from COVID. Yep. Kids dying from COVID is all practically zilch, right. you know, but I still take my daughter to the pool. Right. I know the risks, right. but we live with the risks. You right. know? And I do get, I do get optimistic. I do love seeing people rebel against tyranny. And I love seeing the videos and the protests in Sydney, mm-hmm. in Melbourne, in Paris, in, France. in, yeah. in the UK. I love seeing yeah. people. And you know, one of the things that I've really loved about seeing this it's not the violence, right? Because there's very little violence. There's always going to be a couple of agitators, both on the police state side and obviously on the rebellion side. What I love is when I look at the people that are drawn, it's everybody, Sean. It's everybody. It's not, quote unquote, white male supremacists that seem to be big time with Trump supporting flags, right? This is yeah, what yeah. we're led to probably believe. It's a sea of everyone. And they're all coming forward and they're saying there is something radically wrong with what is going on. And there is something radically wrong with radically socially engineering society and using a fake virus as the reason for doing this. That is what people are doing. And I think almost it's the people saying, gotcha, you lied. And governments and multinational corporations working with governments are kind of like kind of caught off guard. Like I didn't expect a state like Florida to rebel like this. Right. I didn't expect, I, I didn't I didn't expect, expect these, Texas to fight back. I didn't yeah. expect these governors to speak out of line. Yep. What what yep. happened to our plan? What happened to our strategy? I thought mm-hmm. these liberal loving Paris people and London people, all these atheists, uh, all these atheistic um, anti-conservative, anti-God, pro-government people, pro-socialist people were going to join our sides. What, what, Sean, what is happening here? I thought all of these artists and all of these academics, I thought, I thought everyone was going to eventually side on our side. What is happening with the people who we thought were going to acquiesce? And I think people weren't stupid. I think people woke up. I think they were caught in a lie and they tried to tell a lie in order to get themselves out of a lie and they got caught and then they're getting caught and they're getting caught. And I will say that when I see those mobilized, those people that are mobilizing, I do like seeing that. I do like that there's elections coming up and that people have a chance to obviously speak out against some of the things that are taking place. And 
Mm-hmm. I also like the idea of believing that we are in control. I don't like the idea of saying that there are just a small group of people that are controlling things. And the problem I have with that is the fact that it takes away the spirit of the individual. It takes away the power of the individual. I Absolutely. do I yep. do believe that if enough people wake up one morning in France and say, I don't care. I'm going to risk my job. I'm going to yep. risk my life. I'm going to risk my family. And my family is going to risk their lives as well. Because we are not going to go down this path that we did yep. 70 Looks years like ago. like slaves. Yep. We're not doing it. And I say no. And I say it stops today. And I don't care what happens. Maybe I end up in prison today. Maybe I meet new friends that I never met before. Maybe my decision to take risks and to sacrifice some of the pleasures of life in order for something more intrinsic, more something eternal, more spiritual is far greater, right? Than being able to sit at home with Netflix and a a, uh, universal basic income uh, plan that keeps me fat and happy. And so that's yeah. that's that's what I do like. I do think that there's a little bit of it's up to you guys to make the difference. And we'll just have to see what happens after that. Um, I know that, you know, the fall time comes. And generally speaking, Sean, I have to say, <laughs> I don't want to get pessimistic, but, you know, 9-11, the financial crisis, the Great Depression, everything seems to happen in those September, October, November months. So I'm sure... <laughs> Oh, I'm sure there'll be something else that comes about. And I do believe that they're really going to panic. War is always a good option. I mentioned that a couple months ago. I said, you know, if you really want to distract people, just have China invade Taiwan and we'll have World War Three. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that once, you know, if the truth comes out and everyone starts to turn on the administration and say, yeah, you lied to us. There's no risk. This is bullshit. I, I'm pretty sure that a war is going to pop up yep. somewhere in the world yep. to try and distract everyone. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, uh, useful hand that they can always pull. Yep. So yep. watch out for that. Great stuff, man. Get some sleep. I know it's late in Spain. Great show. And uh, yep. we'll be back next time. All right, brother. Talk soon.